0: Day for me um, because I feel like you know how God is always orchestrating things in ways that sometimes just blow your mind, and you're like, wow, how cool. So I have this friend. Uh, his name is Joe, and we met back at Bible College, at Trinity Bible College in Ellendale, North Dakota. And the fact that I made it to Ellendale, North Dakota from Pennsylvania, and I believe Joe came from Indiana at the time. And so the fact that we met at Bible College, and God was using both of our stories, and he was working in our lives, and to be able to see those moments intersect today uh, is pretty profound. Joe and I were friends. We were never really close friends. Uh, I knew he was a Bengals fan. And so to this day, anytime the Bengals do anything good, he's the only one I think of because he's like the only Bengals fan on the planet, I think. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. And so I reach out to him and we've connected at district events over the years. They've been able to live uh, in Sioux Falls. And so they've always been close by him and his wife, Jen. Uh, and so it's been uh fun to watch the way God works in our lives. I actually believe you're a Lions fan too. Am I right in that? Second favorite team, I see. So I I apologize. You are not the only Lions fan on the planet. And uh, yes, so there are other Lions fans as well. But uh, to watch the way that God has worked in Joe's life and to be able to see part of his story, Joe wrote a book. It's called Hunted and Called. And uh, I'm going to ask Joe if he would to come and join me up here on the the platform, and uh, we're going to talk about his book today, and Joe reached out. um, He was putting on Facebook about this book, and he he said it was going to be available and released, and uh, I found out it was on Kindle Unlimited, and I could read it for free, and so the day that that thing was released, I pulled it up, and we were at Ministers and Spouses Retreat, and um, I started reading this book And I read it in about a day. Um, I read it over two nights, two evenings. And so it was a quick read. And the thing I loved about it is it's a story. It's Joe's story. It's a testimony of what God has done in Joe's life. And I was amazed at some of the difficulties that Joe has walked through. I mean, I went to Bible college with him. And uh, we don't wear anything that says, hey, look, this is what I have been through in my life. And sometimes um, people experience different... um, Uh, different problems, a lot of anger or a lot of frustration, maybe a lot of uh, personality traits that are a result of that. And sometimes we don't take the time to get to know people. So I felt like I was reading, I was devouring this book because I knew Joe and I wanted to, to hear his story. I wanted to see how God had worked in his life. And I loved it. And I loved the fact that he weaved the character of God into the story. He talked about the names of God and the, the places that God has, had worked and uh, what that revealed about the character of God in his life. And we were in Sioux Falls for a wedding, and in the month of October, and Joe was actually speaking the day we went to Brandon Valley Assembly of God um, with Pastor Kirk, and we were just there visiting, and turns out Joe was actually sharing about his book in that service, and uh, as I was sitting there, I'm like, wow, this is going to fit so well with our perfect series. I'm like, and I am just, and the more he shared, the more I remembered things that I had read in the book, and I'm like, Yes, this is it, because there's a quote from the book that says, as long as we're alive and breathing, we are all unfinished stories. And man, that's exactly what we've been talking about. Perfection is not a destination. It's the journey that every one of us is on, and God is weaving it. I don't believe God is the author of the difficulties that we face in our lives, the tragic things that are done to us, but I believe God uses everything to bring about his purposes in our lives. And I love the way he, he talks about the character of God in the chapter of Jehovah Shema. How many of you have ever heard Jehovah Shema before? Yep, you probably, one or two of you. Yep, it's a name of God that's given to us in the Old Testament, which translates, the Lord is here the Lord who is already there, the Lord is my companion. And Joe says, the truth is God is waiting for you to invite him into your circumstance, into your dark place so that he can be in it with you, walk with you, and lead you out. And uh, it's a tremendous story. We're not going to be able to talk about everything that's in the book today. Um, I could probably talk about it a lot, but you wrote it, so I think maybe you should tell us the story. And so would you tell us... uh, A lot of the book is about your salvation story and how that weaves into your life. So why don't you tell us that story? Let's start there.
1: Sure. Am I on? Okay. Hi, my name's Joe Stalen, and Tom, I really appreciate you having me here today. I I love any chance that I can share my story. And so... I'll tell you how I came to know the Lord. Uh, when I was, first we got to do a little background. When I was uh, 10 years old, I was actually um, abused by a children's pastor. And that abuse sent my, pretty much my emotional life, down a, a downward spi- spiral. And it created a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment, most of it that I placed on God. Um, I saw God as kind of vindictive and cruel. And because he didn't step in and, and stop the circumstances or rescue me from that situation, I blamed him for it. And so I distanced myself from anything that was religious or anything that was godly uh, in my life. And at the time, my, my mother is a very strong Christian. She was always trying to take me to church, but I pretty much resisted any uh, attempt that her or my grandmother would try and uh, you know speak into my life. And so fast forward until I'm 17 years old, and at this point, I am an extremely angry teenager who's you know, just plummeting in high school with my grades. They're just you know, down in the zero digits because I'm just, I don't know how to, to reconcile everything that happened in the, in the years prior. And, and I'm super angry, and I'm always lashing out, and I'm getting into fights. And a friend of mine, uh, we had just moved to Indiana. We'd only been there about six months. And this uh, new friend of mine had invited me to uh, something called a youth rally and i really didn't want to go because it sounded church related and my mom was trying to convince me that oh it's not going to be really a church thing it's they're going to play games and watch movies and and i like, okay sure that sounds you know harmless you know i'm new in this state i don't know anybody and i'll go i'll go to that and so um she takes me to this church she drops me off they put put us all in this van and then we're driving And so I asked this complete stranger, uh, you know, what games are we going to play today or what movies are we going to watch? And they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? And they said, we're going to a youth rally. I'm like, okay, well, what's a youth rally? And they said, well, it's like a church service for teenagers. And I was, I mean, I was furious. I absolutely wanted out of that situation. But now I'm in the van. I have no choice. And we drive like a half hour to this, you know, church in the middle of nowhere. And... We get out of the van, and, I, and I'm telling the guy who drove it, I want to stay in the van. And he wouldn't let me. And everybody goes inside the building, and I refuse. I am not going into a church building. I, I want nothing to do with it. And I'm standing out there in the parking lot, and you got to understand, this is 1991. So there are no cell phones. They do not exist. I can't call Uber to come get me. Um, I, I really don't even know where I'm at, so I can't even walk home. I'm at least a half hour from home. It's the middle of April, it's already dark, it's cold, I'm trapped. And I'm like, I'm going to have to go inside. But I'm refusing as long as I can. And while I'm standing out in the parking lot, I look, and in the middle of the parking lot is a full-size cross standing there in the middle of the parking lot. And when I saw it, my blood just boiled. And I felt all my rage and all my hatred and all my anger and all my brokenness come to the surface. And I thought, okay, I'm going to let God have it. And I walked up to that cross, and in complete honesty, I cussed that cross out for about five minutes. I said every conceivable, obscene, and foul word you can think of. Don't think of them, church guys. (laughs) I shouldn't say it like that, but that's how I wrote it in the book. And uh, I just poured all of my anger and hate out. I blamed God for everything. I shook my fist, and I screamed at him and basically let him know I wanted nothing to do with him ever again. Feeling like... I could push him away. So after that, I, I realized I have no choice. So I start to walk into the building. And as I walk in, the first thing I see is this scripture on the wall. And right away, I was just angry all over again. And so I made this declaration. I said, I have no choice today. But after today, that's it. I will never step foot in one of your churches again. I want nothing to do with you the rest of my life. And I meant it. And so I go in, and the group that I was uh, came there with had sat themselves in the third row, and the only seat left was on the aisle. And so I sit down, and I'm just writhing in my seat, because all I want to do is leave. And a few minutes later, this big guy gets up on stage, and he says, well, we got about 15 minutes before service starts. Why don't we all come up here and have some warfare prayer? I thought, what in the world is warfare prayer? I'd never heard of it. And there's no way I'm going up, but I'm on the aisle, so I stand up so that everybody can go, and I I didn't know what to do with myself. I'm like, I'm not going forward, and I don't want to sit back down, so I just stood there in the aisle, and I'm watching these students go up there, and they're praying, and some are loud, and some are quiet, some are kneeling, or some are standing, and I'm sitting there, standing there in the aisle, and I'm like, what is this clown show that I'm witnessing? And I start mocking them under my breath, and I start cussing and swearing and using you know just inappropriate language toward them like you guys look ridiculous and I just was saying a lot of terrible things and the last thing I absolutely remember saying before everything happened I just got angry and I said this is a waste of time you look like idiots there is no God he does not hear you and then someone came up from behind me and gave me this big bear hug Now at 17 and an angry teenager, when I'm angry, I do not like to be touched. And so I clenched my fist and I turned around. I don't know if it was the youth pastor or what. I'm going to turn around. I'm punching someone in the face in church. And I turned around to give someone the business and there was nobody there. There was nobody even near me. And so confused, I start walking up the aisle toward the back of the church Looking behind each row, trying to think to myself, how could someone have grabbed me and found a place to hide that fast? And while I was looking, I felt it again. And all of a sudden, no one, no one had to explain it to me. All of a sudden, in that moment, I realized that what I was experiencing for the first time in my life was the presence of God. And it felt like two big arms wrapped around me. And in that moment, I knew three things beyond the shadow of a doubt. One, I knew God was real, which is a big step, because I was certain two minutes ago he wasn't. I knew God was real. And two, I knew that he loved me. And I, I, I just knew it. It, it. it was like an instantaneous family bond. I just knew that he loved me. And three, I realized that he actually heard everything I said outside. And I got this sense of just, just fear. And the way I've described it, if any one of you was to stand up right now, close your eyes, and I come and stand right in front of you, as close as I can get to you, but not actually touching you, you would still know that I'm there. You would be able to sense it. And in the same way, I could sense God standing right in front of me. But something in my heart told me there was a great distance between us and that he had gone as far as he could go, he wanted me to take a step. I couldn't remember what to say. I I tried to think back to all the prayers my mother and my grandmother had said over the years and the times they had taken me to church when I was a kid, and I couldn't remember them. It's like my mind was blank, but I, I knew I wanted to take that step. So standing in the aisle of the church by myself, 15 minutes before the service was even supposed to begin, I'm standing there, and I just put my hands out, I just kind of lowered my head, and I said, Lord, I said, if you want me back like I was when I was a child, then I surrender. And that sense of his presence that I had had a few moments before, it intensified like a hundred times greater to anything I'd ever experienced. It crashed down on me like a tidal wave, and I just fell to the floor, and I wept for an hour. They never actually had service that day, the Holy Spirit, moved and everyone received something, and I just cried in the, aisle, in the aisle for an hour. And when I walked out of the building that day and saw the same cross that I'd berated earlier that evening, I looked at it differently. I saw it differently. I Tears rolling down my face. The only thing I could even think to say was thank you. Now, I didn't go back to that church, to that location, for 26 years. 26 years went by, 2017 my wife and I are visiting my parents in northern Indiana and I'm thinking about that church and I'm like where was that I wasn't even sure what town it was in so now you know we got modern technology I'm Google Earth and I'm looking for it on my phone trying to find a cross in the parking lot and I found it and drove there and was so excited to see that the cross was still there in the parking lot and my wife said I just stood there and stared at it for like an hour this is 26 years later this is after going to Bible college, graduating, walking with the Lord. But yet I still felt this terrible knot in my stomach for what I had said that evening. The last time I stood in front of it, the things I had said, it just, it just gnawed at me. And I thought, maybe I need to apologize again. And so I started to say, Lord, you know, forgive me for that night. And right away the Holy Spirit just stopped me and interrupted me and said, no, Joe, no. That's what the cross is for. It's for you to come to it with all of your anger and all of your brokenness and all of your burdens and give those things to Christ. Let it die with him and let him give you new life. Because Joe, that's exactly what the cross was for.
0: That's so good. I, um, I love that story. <laughs> I start laughing before he gets to the, the end because I know the story. I've read the book. And, uh, and it's just, I love the vulnerability Um, Joe goes into so much because salvation is more than the destination of getting to heaven. It's about being made whole. And that he brings that up so often throughout the book is that God's interested in our wholeness. He's interested in eternity, not just um, the here and the now moment. And so he wants us to be totally whole. And there's one chapter in particular that uh, Joe talks about Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah our healer. And he talks about the healing of the emotional trauma and the anger and the the different ways that he needed to experience healing. But he tells a story too about uh, a physical healing and some things that you learned through that process as well. So, tell us the story about uh, that healing.
1: So, two years after I'd given my heart to the Lord, uh, my hands, uh, both my hands, started breaking out in these clusters of warts, and it. At first, it was just a few, and then it just rapidly started to spread. And so my mom takes me to the dermatologist, and he says, ooh, you have about 150 warts on your right hand and about 120 on your left. And he says, it's, we need to deal with this right now. But the only way we can deal with it is at this point, because you have so many, and they're so clustered, we need to burn them off. And it, it, you're going to be scarred for life. He said, I, you might even lose pieces of your fingers. But we need to jump on this now because they're seed warts. They're contagious within you. They're not contagious to anyone else. So if I touch them, it's not going to do anything. But they're going to just continue to spread. They're out of control. Well, I'm 19 years old, hands covered in warts, you know, not the not the sexiest thing, right? So I'm walking around with my hands in my pockets all the time and wearing gloves. And, you know, and I was actually sitting in a Sunday night service, and I just picked up the Bible and, and just opened it up just randomly. And I came across a passage in Matthew where a man with leprosy goes up to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Lord, if you're willing, you could make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing to be cleansed. And says instantly, the man was cured of leprosy. And the first thought that hit me was, well, leprosy is a skin condition. You know, I'm not quite the same as warts because leprosy was a death sentence back then, you know, but, uh, it was still a skin condition, and, and really, in the two years that I had been a believer, as a young believer, I was basically in the mindset that you could only go to God for the big things, you know, cancer or something like that, or, you know, someone has a heart attack, you don't go to God for warts, and um, so I thought, and there was like a spark in my faith, well, maybe, so the service ends, and they're calling for people to come forward, and I go to the front, They have no idea why I'm up there. I didn't even talk to anybody. I just went up to the altar, put my hands out, and I just whispered, Lord, if you're willing, you could make me clean. And somebody came by, and they touched my hands because they saw them out, and they just felt like they caught on fire. And I walked out of there, and I looked at my hands, and they didn't look any different. Nothing had changed. And I told my mom about it, and she goes, well, you don't look any different. I said, I know, but I feel different. I feel different. I I know God touched me. Something's happening. I don't see it now, but something's happening. And sure enough, within a couple days, they all started to reabsorb into my hands. We went back to the dermatologist, and he's like, I've never seen this before. He goes, the only thing I can can guess is that the roots have died, and your body is reabsorbing them, and and soon they're all going to be gone. Now that would have been perfect to end the story right there. God had stepped in. He did a physical miracle you a know, miraculous event taking place in my life. And then I decided to step in and try and make it better. And I stepped in and I said, I'm here, I'm thinking, hey, Lord, since you're healing me, why don't you take them all away except one? Take them all away, but leave one behind so that when I tell people this story, because I knew I had a testimony brewing in front of me, I can tell people this story and I can show them the one wart on my hand, like some visual aid, and say, "This is what my hands used to be covered in, and God healed me of all of it." And I asked him that, and he did it. He took all of them away except one. And for the next four years, that's what I did. I'd tell people the story, and I go, oh, "That's a great story." I'm like, "Yeah, see this one wart? I had hundreds of them." and I thought man that was the, I thought that was the best decision ever and then we're in college in 97 and at this point I'm dating um, my now now my wife Jennifer and I look at my hands and I have like four or five warts on my hands and I'm like, well that's weird why is that happening And I thought, okay it's just a couple they'll go away because I've been healed well then within a week four or five becomes like ten or 20 I'm like, what is happening so they get up you know I'm getting there's they're they're coming back and we go to a doctor there in Ellendale and she uh, she looks at my hands and I tell her what happened and she goes well you had one wart, right and she yeah she goes, well these are seed warts which means they're contagious within you if even one wart stayed behind then they're all gonna come back it's just a matter of time and you're gonna be completely reinfested all over again I feel like an idiot I mean, just completely honest. I was like, it just never dawned on me until that moment. All of a sudden, it's just like someone hit me over the head. Like, what did I do? I mean, I went to God, and he did a physical miracle that you could see, and, and I ruined it. I felt, I mean, I, was, I felt ashamed. I felt so stupid. I didn't even know how to tell anybody. I'm like, well, you, you know, I've ruined this miracle. So Jennifer, she's like, you got to go back to him. You got to go back to the Lord you got to ask again I'm like how do I ask again I don't know if it was a pride issue or what it was but how do I go back to the Lord and ask him to to do it again but after a couple weeks of just they're growing and they're expanding I'm like I I might as well I got nothing to lose so we're at college it's like 7 in the morning and everybody's off at the cafeteria going to breakfast I went into the chapel nobody was in the building there was no church service going on there's no music in fact the lights weren't even on it's just me and God I went to the front I'm the only one in the building and I just put my hands out and I said what can I say Lord? I was an idiot I was a spiritual idiot I made a mistake will you forgive me and if you're willing would you clean my hands again and this time take them all and that is exactly what he did Within a couple weeks, they all went away, completely whole, not one left. And, you know, that was when I was 19. I'm 49 years old now. So I've had 30 years of life experience since then and other illnesses and, you know, just things that we all deal with in life. But every time I start to doubt that God can or that God will or that God is good or that God is faithful, I look at my hands and I remember what he did. And so it's about a year or two later after this happened, after the second healing, and I'm just driving in the car, listening to music, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks, and he says, you know, Joe, sometimes you treat sin, the sin in your life, like you do those warts. You come to God and you say, God, I need you to forgive me of the sin, whatever sin you're dealing with. God, I need you to heal me of this this sin that I'm struggling with. And you come to God and you say, here's 99% of my sin, but I'm going to hold just a little bit back. I'm not really ready to give you all of it. So I'm going to give you 99% of it, and I'm going to keep one little piece for myself, just this little seed. And that little sin seed that you keep behind, it grows and it reinfests. And before you know it, you're back in the same bondage again, trapped all over again. If you want to be set free, the Holy Spirit said, you have to give God all of your sin, not just part of your sin, not some of your sin. You have to give him all of your sin, let him take it, and let him set you free. And that's the only way that you can be completely spiritually whole.
0: Amen. And that... I mean, the testimonies are great in the book, but the lessons that he draws out from each of those events that have happened, and uh, we've really only scratched the surface of what's in the book, and so after the service today, um, Joe has some copies of these available out in the the lobby, and uh, his father-in-law, actually, Wayne Stearns, is going to be here. is here with us today, too. He'll be out at the table. Um, you can stop by. You can pick up a copy or several copies. I mean, these would make great Christmas presents, um, and so I'd encourage you to, to stop out there. $17 is that the, the cost of the books. Don't feel like, say, oh, I don't have change for a 20. Well, just give Give him the 20, and then sow the seed into the next book that Joe is writing too. And so you can uh, stop out there. Uh, you can find it on Amazon if you would uh, want to purchase it on there. Okay, and he's got PayPal and Venmo available. So if you don't have cash or check with you, uh, you can still pick up copies today. I encourage <laughs> you to do it. Uh, just a powerful book, powerful testimony that I think is going to minister to you. Um, it's going to be a tool that you can pass on to someone else and say, here's the faithfulness of God. Here's how God works. Here's who God is. And uh, I just, it's its so so good stuff. And uh, when we were down in Sioux Falls at Brandon, Joe actually shared a story in that service that wasn't a part of the book. Uh, it was a dream that he had had um, sometime between um, finishing this story and uh, it's just not included in the book, but I loved this story. And I'm like, dude, you have to share that story as well uh, with our church because I feel like it's such a part of the conversations that we've been having uh, and speaks to that. And so I've asked him to share uh, that story today too.
1: So about two years ago, um, I just lay down for a nap and I had a spiritual dream. And just as a side note, my wife likes to tease me uh, because the Bible says that, you know, in the book of Joel, it says that young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. She's like, you're an old man in God's eyes now. I'm like, thanks, Jen. But I laid down and I had a dream. Now I had never really, I've only had a couple spiritual dreams in the 30 plus years I've been walking with the Lord, so this kind of hit me hard. But I, I laid down and I had this dream that, I had received this invitation for dinner at this house I'd never been to and I show up and it's this beautiful home up on this hill and you walk in and all the walls were made of glass and you could see the ocean and the sunset it was gorgeous, this big open room and in the middle of the room was this massive table covered with food and it just looked just delicious you know stacks of steaks and there was like a plate of fruit that had like strawberries and then something else and something else and like built up to like a pyramid it was like really creative you know and I look and kind of up in the kitchen area there's Jesus just up there cooking away like on a hibachi grill he's just there's Jesus and he's just up there cooking and I'm he's like hey I'm so glad you're here come on in have a seat and and I'm looking at what's going on and he comes up to the table, he puts the last plate of food down, he sits down, he says, come on, sit with me. And instead, I just kind of looked at him, and I, I started to get argumentative. I'm like, wait a minute, who are you? Why am I here? Why did you bring me here? What are your intentions? And, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking? How am I supposed to pay for this? And I got really indignant and argumentative, and, and I'm raising my voice at him. And he just looked at me, and he goes, you're overthinking this. I just want to have a meal with you. And that didn't help. I just got angrier and I just remember yelling at him and raising my voice and and throwing up my hands and I stormed out of there and I slammed the door and the next thing I remember is sitting in this like rundown, dingy apartment, sitting on this like beat up couch, watching this like really staticky television, finishing a bowl of cereal and thinking to myself, man, I am so hungry. And I wake up, and as I'm waking up from the dream, my heart is just pounding, and the Holy Spirit just speaks, and he says, Joe, this is how mankind treats salvation. And I couldn't get out of my mind the verse, Revelation 3.20, Revelation 3.20. And so, I mean, I'm wiping the cobwebs out of my eyes, on Revelation 3.20, okay, I can't think right now. And I open up my phone, I go to Revelation 3.20, and it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open that door, I will come in and share a meal with him and he with me. And what it's saying is that, I mean, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So all of us have some plans to sit with family in a few days around a table full of food. And many of you here today, you have plans after service. You're either going to go home and eat some food, watch football, or you're going to go out somewhere. And, you know, there's friends I have in the church that I often get together with, and let's go have coffee. If you take your wife on a date, you go out to dinner. Why do we do that? What is the importance of that? What, what is the significance of sitting down to a table? What makes the table itself in that act so valuable? Because that's where relationships are born and cultivated, and that's where the bonding experience begins. And Jesus is saying, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. Now, he can't force himself into your life, because that's not love. He can come as close to you as he can. He can offer everything and come right up to the door of your heart, but if you don't take that step, the relationship will never begin. And he says, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. And if you'll just open the door, I will come in, and I will begin a relationship with you, and I will make you family. John 3.16, common verse. Everyone's probably heard it. For God so loves the world, he gives his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But there's one word in that verse that grips my heart. And for some reason, I feel like the whole gospel can be summed up in the one word out of that verse. And it's the word gave. God gave. God gave. He didn't have to do it. He wasn't obligated to do it. He chose to do it. He wanted to do it. And what did God give? He didn't just send another person or an angel or a prophet. No, he sent his son, his best his very best, the absolute best that he could offer, a part of himself, his own son, Jesus Christ, that's who he sent. And why did he do it? What's his motivation? What's his reason for doing it? Love. For God so loved. His only reason is absolute love for us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and created a bridge back to God. When you didn't want him, when you didn't understand him, when you were living in rejection to him, when you tried to push him away like I did, he had already created a bridge back to God. Why does God do that? Because he's a perfect God who is absolutely in love with imperfect people. That's so
0: good. That's such a great illustration of what God has made available to us. And, you know, if you think all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and over and over, we can read that the, you can eat of anything. You can eat of anything. You can eat of anything. And somehow the enemy twists it so that it's not about all that I've provided. It's about what I can't have. What I can't have. And the offer of salvation, sometimes there are Sometimes it's different things that keep us from wanting to take that next step because, well, what what's the motivation? What am I going to have to give up? What am I going to... And Jesus is saying, this is life. This is life. And so many of us have settled for just having cereal. Like maybe, you know, I, I, praise God, I'm saved. I'm going to get to heaven one day. And yet we were saved not so we could go to heaven one day. We were saved for a life with him. But we're afraid. We're afraid to open up areas of our lives, areas of our hearts, surrender some of those hurts and pains, or we just don't know what, what's the next step going to be. What am I, I going to have to do after this step? And uh, that's the thing I love about this story, is that at every turn, we see the faithfulness of God. And I just want to read the conclusion. I'm going to ask Christy to come back to the keyboard. And Joe sums it up at the end of his book so well. He says, we are all on an unfinished journey. Until the Lord returns or calls you home, your journey and your story is also unfinished. Don't hold back. Let him continue to write your story. Don't be afraid to take your anger, your brokenness, your doubts, or your fear to him. His shoulders are big enough. Don't give in to the darkness. Invite God into your chaos. Be honest with him about how you feel. Listen to his voice and don't be afraid to follow his lead. Satan is hunting you, yes, but God is calling you out of the darkness and into his glorious light. So don't let fear control you. Go deeper in your faith and begin to believe. Expect the unexpected. See if he isn't true to his words. Finally, don't let worry about other people's opinions. They are not the final say. Only God has the final say because he is faithful and he is good. We are hunted and called. We didn't go into that much. That's the story. Satan has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. The Bible says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour, 1 Peter 5.8. Satan hunts us. But God, 1 Peter 2.9, calls us out of darkness and into his glorious light. Every single person in this life is hunted and called. God gave his son so that we can have new life and have it to the full. We have a God who gives and an enemy who takes. So I don't know where you are on your journey today, whether you've never started that journey, you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, you've never taken that first step. Maybe you're in the room today and you need forgiveness. You need to come to the cross and you need to lay down all of your hurts and all of your fears and all of your anger And maybe you just need to come to the cross and have it out with the Lord. Can I tell you, he's okay with that. He's okay with you just, because he already knows what you're thinking. He just wants you to open up and just be honest with yourself and with him, wherever you are. But maybe you're in the room today and you need physical healing. And you're like, wow, man, I wish God would do that for me. Can I tell you? He wants to. He wants to. Maybe you're here and you resonate with the idea of abuse. And you're like, that's the one area that you're just like, I'm not, I'm not opening that door. I'm not, I can't, I can't go through that pain anymore. I love um, the, the vulnerability that Joe offers in the book because that's, that's a hard path to walk. And somebody needs to hear that story. That God is faithful. He's not the author of that. But he's with you and there's healing and there's hope. And so I don't know maybe what you need to experience today, but if you're in the room and you need physical healing, you need emotional healing, you need salvation, you just say, you know what, I need something. Or maybe you're in the room and you're just like, you know what? I'm tired of cereal. I'm tired of hearing about this life to the full. I want to I want to know that life. Maybe you can't fully explain what that means or what that looks like, but you know there's there's something in your heart today that's just resonating and saying, I am living below what God has made available to me, and I want a meal. I want more. And so if any of that resonates with you, I'm going to ask you right where you are just to stand to your feet, just to say, that's me. I need healing. I have physical healing. I need emotional healing. I need salvation. I want to come to the cross today. I need forgiveness. or I just want life. No more cereal. I want life to the full. I'm going to stand. I mean, who wouldn't want something more than cereal? And I've asked Joe, I want him to pray over us. It's his story, and so I want him to be the one to pray for those things in our lives. If you need healing, you need a touch of God in any way, any shape, or form, he's here to meet you today. And after Joe prays, Christy's going to lead us in a song. And uh, I'm going to encourage you, maybe if you want to slip out from where you are and the prayer team is going to make themselves available, they'd love to pray with you one-on-one. Sometimes we just need that. We need a a human. We need God to have some flesh. And that's available to you. If not, I just encourage you right where you are, make a little altar and sing along. Worship with her as she leads us in that song. And when you're finished, Joe's going to be in the back. He's going to be out there with the books. He'll even sign it for you. But this is why I invited him here because it's his story and I could have shared it with you but I want him to pray this this same experience over each and every one of us today Joe would you pray for us
1: absolutely Father by the Holy Spirit in me I pray over the people in this room and Lord in your name and by your great power I plead the blood of Jesus over them And whatever their circumstances are, whatever they came here with today, whatever hidden burden they've been carrying, Lord, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological, God, you know the need and you know that person. You know it all too well. And I pray right now that you would touch that life. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, not just physical healing, but all elements of healing. And God, if someone is out there and they... Don't know you or want to know you more, and they feel you knocking on the door of their heart, then their heart is burning within them. Please give them the courage to open that door and just simply say, Come in, I surrender. And I pray your Holy Spirit would come into their life and change them radically. God, that you would turn their story around and that you would begin a walk on a relationship with them whatever the issue is in the name of jesus i give it to you i pray over them god i bless them i speak life into them i speak healing into them i speak salvation into them and in all aspects of this day we give you the glory because lord you are the author and the finisher of our story until there's a date at the other end of the dash we are unfinished stories, God, and it's your story to write. And I pray that they would have the courage to allow you to finish writing their story. And that you would fill them up to overflowing. That they would have a peace that surpasses understanding. A joy that they can't comprehend. That it would just pour out of them. And God, that you would just bring them close to you. We all need that, Lord. We all need those moments where we just feel close to you and accepted. And we need you, Lord. And so I ask that you would come in and touch every life in this room, mine included. And for those of us that are dealing with darkness, and you're in that dark place right now, I'm there too. My wife and I are going through something. And so I pray, God, that you would come into the darkness with us you see us in that dark place Psalm 139 says you see us there that darkness is like light to you that we can't be hidden from your sight and I pray in Jesus name that you would come into our darkness and be with us in the chaos with all the questions and the unanswered prayers and in the, the just the situation and that you would walk with us and show us how to get out lead us out and just give us that relationship along the way and don't be afraid to don't be afraid to express your emotion to God. Don't be afraid to give him your anger and your hurt. His shoulders are big enough. And God, I just pray that you would renew everyone's walk with you today. We give you praise for all of it, and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon soul needs a friend i'll run to the father again and again and again and again oh to grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again oh 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 so my condition Plan from the start, thank you, Jesus. Your son for redemption, the price for my heart. I don't have a context for that kind of love, I don't understand, can't comprehend. to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh. the father fall into grace i'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so i'll run to the father again and again and again and again oh thank you jesus yes thank you jesus
0: Father, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you that in the midst of whatever storm we're in, we know that you're with us. Holy Spirit, I pray today again just for the hope that may be needed in this room, for those that maybe are going to walk out of here into a situation that doesn't seem like anything's changed. God, I just pray for a sense of your presence, an awareness of you, that you are at work. And it's not just about the destination. It's about the journey. And God, help us to be okay with that. Help us to to know and be assured that you're walking with us, whatever it is that we're facing. So God, put that deep in our hearts today. Cause our hearts to overflow with hope today by the power of your Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Uh, Prayer team will be here for a few minutes if you want uh, to see them or if you want some prayer before you leave today. Uh, Joe is in the back in the lobby and the books are available. I encourage you to stop by that table and uh, pick one of those up if you'd like. There's information on our table as well uh, about our services. Our church offering baskets are out there as well. God bless you as you go today.